Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures again with us as we continue to investigate Jesus and Paul's favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. When did you last hear a preacher invite us to repent and believe in the Gospel about the Kingdom of God, as Jesus did with his audiences when he preached there 2,000 years ago in Galilee? Jesus, you see, opened his ministry with a summons to the public. He challenged them to turn around, to reorientate their life in a new direction, and to commit themselves to a brand new idea, or rather not an entirely new idea to them, but a new orientation, a new viewpoint, namely the fact that the kingdom of God is coming, and the kingdom of God was at hand. It was approaching, and Jesus made that announcement it was as though he was saying, the last hour has arrived. It's five minutes before midnight. Turn around and prepare for the great day, the day of the coming of the kingdom of God as all the prophets of Israel had preached it in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Now the ministry of Jesus was a continuation of the ministry of John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, we find that John the Baptist called the people of Israel to repentance that's to say, to a U-turn in conduct and thinking and to a reorientation towards the coming kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And those two terms, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, mean exactly the same thing. Now, Jesus called upon the people also to repent in view of the approach of the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, what does repentance mean? Repentance is a radical change of direction in our thinking, first of all, and then in our way of living. Repentance means a brand new lifestyle and a brand new viewpoint on the meaning of life itself. Repentance is much more than just being sorry for our sins, although that's a very important part of it. It means coming to a completely new understanding of what life is all about and of what God is up to in our world, his purpose and plan for the world. It means getting our eyes open to the revelation contained in the precious message of Jesus about the kingdom of God. Of course, repentance means breaking off our own ways of living, but it means not only turning away from our own ways of living, but turning to a specific message, a new way of thinking, a message which Jesus proclaimed, and that message has a label to it. It has an identity marker. Jesus called it the gospel about the kingdom of God. Repentance in the Bible is not just believing that Jesus died for our sins, though that, of course, is a very important part of it. It means also committing ourselves to Jesus' program, his agenda, which he summed up under the idea of the good news about the kingdom of God. Repentance is closely linked to faith, but not faith in our own definition of what we call the good life, but faith according to Jesus' definition of the right way to think and live. Repentance in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, which is a programmatic summary of the whole mission and ministry of Jesus, is nothing less than a full-blooded commitment to the good news of the kingdom of God. Let me give you the words of Jesus exactly there. He came into Galilee, the text says, and Jesus then said, Repent, for the time is at hand. The kingdom of God is approaching. Turn around and believe in the good news of the kingdom. So faith, or believing in the Bible, must be added to the change of lifestyle and thinking involved in repentance. 
By trusting in the gospel message of Jesus, we are in fact trusting in God and in Jesus themselves, because God was the one who commissioned Jesus to preach the message, because Jesus was the authorized spokesman for God, God's agent, God's personal representative, God's ambassador. And in fact, if we put our trust in God, our faith in God, we are doing so when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, who is God's agent and spokesman. Jesus, you see, was the bearer of the message of the kingdom of God. He was the herald and the proclaimer of the gospel of the kingdom. By believing not only in Jesus' death to cover our sins, but also in the message about the kingdom which he preached, we're aligning ourselves with Jesus' first command. And presumably, as Christians, we believe in keeping the commandments of Jesus. Didn't Jesus say, If you love me, keep my commandments? Well, it's reasonable to ask then, what is the first commandment of Jesus? We have the answer to that question there in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, where Jesus gave some commands. He said, Repent, that's the first command, and believe, that's the second command. Believe in the good news, Jesus' good news, concerning the kingdom of God. So believing here is equated with receiving the message about the kingdom of God. But we must believe permanently, not just temporarily. In Luke 8, verse 13, in the famous parable of the soils, or the parable of the sower, as it's sometimes called, which describes the various responses of people to Jesus' teaching, we find that there are some who believe only temporarily. But that's not sufficient, according to what that parable teaches. Jesus made it quite clear that only those who persist with their belief, who persist in the face even of the opposition of the worries of the world and some persecution, temptations coming from various sources and other things which might choke the word, only those who stick with it with belief in the gospel of the kingdom and in Jesus, only those who stick with that conviction right to the bitter end, to the end of their life, or rather to the end of the age, if that comes earlier, only those are genuinely Christian. And so by trusting in the gospel message of Jesus, in his words, in his teaching, we are in fact putting our faith in God and his Son, Jesus, also. Believing is equated with receiving the message of the kingdom, and we must believe on an ongoing basis. Salvation in the Bible is not a one-time thing that's all over and done with. There's a sense, certainly, of course, in which we were saved when we first committed ourselves to Christ and believed his message, but there's also a very real sense in which we are continuing to be saved. In the present tense, we are being saved, and also, and the emphasis in the New Testament is here at this point, amazingly, on the future aspect of salvation. Now, many have not considered this at all. Many times salvation in the Bible is said to be in the future still. Paul, for example, spoke of a time when salvation is now nearer to us than when we first believed. Notice he didn't say farther away than when we first believed, but salvation is now nearer to us than when we first believed. Romans 13 and verse 11. So the message of the kingdom means the whole message and mission of Jesus. 
What Matthew, Mark, and Luke stress is the importance of believing in that message of Jesus, not only in his death and resurrection, which happened later than the preaching of Jesus, but very much also in the teaching of Jesus. A popular idea seems to have gained ground, and I read this the other day, that someone had said that Jesus came to do three days' work, to die and to be buried and to be raised. Nothing, my friends, could be farther from the truth. Jesus came, in fact, to preach the kingdom of God for about three and a half years, and then to die and then to be raised. But to eliminate from the work of Jesus his preaching and teaching ministry is to try to muzzle the Savior, to try to stifle his message. How indeed can you believe in Jesus if you don't know what it is he said and taught? In Luke 8, again in the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, Jesus made it quite clear that unbelief means failure to get hold of the message of Jesus and make it the supreme driving force in our lives. And that message, of course, is defined in Matthew as the message about the kingdom or the word of the kingdom, in Mark as the message of God or God's message, God's gospel, and likewise in Luke just as the word or the message. Now, the parable of the sower or the soils tells us about the various responses of people specifically to Jesus' kingdom message. That's the underlying criterion by which all of our reception or rejection of Jesus can be measured. Those who are planted in the good soil were the ones who clung tenaciously to Jesus' message and worked it out in practice in their lives. They resisted temptation, and they resisted also the strains and stresses of life which might divert them from the goal of the kingdom. Matthew emphasizes the importance of hearing and understanding the message but, of course, hearing and understanding really are not different from simply believing. You cannot believe without intelligence, without understanding. Believing presupposes that there is a message to be grasped and to be understood. So there can be no proper believing or faith without proper understanding. It's not surprising that in some of the prophets of Israel, in their writings, they complained about the fact that there was no understanding of God in the land. There was no knowledge of God and no understanding Jesus himself said that understanding was important because God had closed the eyes of those who refused to understand. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 13. Now we notice that when people close their eyes, it isn't simply that God has ordained it to be that way. God blinds people only when they refuse to learn what God has to say to them. In John 5 and verse 20, John the Apostle observed this. He said that Jesus came to give us an understanding that we should know God. That implies an intellectual disposition, a grasp by the mind of certain teaching as a prerequisite for getting to know God. In 20th century America, often religion has become only a matter of entertainment and emotions, but that's to exclude the critical factor in all religious belief, namely the grasping of intellectual understanding in addition, of course, to the emotions and warm feelings which we should attach to our faith in Christ. We hope that these programs will perhaps encourage you to go back to the synoptic Gospels, that's to say the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and re-examine the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. What did he preach as the Gospel? There's nothing like starting at the beginning and grasping the teaching of anyone. 
and often the early teachings of Jesus are neglected. There's a great tendency for preaching and teaching to be done almost exclusively from the writings of Paul. Now, Paul, of course, was an authorized agent of Jesus, but he never for one moment suggested that the teachings of the historical Jesus were irrelevant or obsolete. And so we hope that you will examine some of our suggestions carefully in your Bible, as the Bereans did, who dug for the truth on a daily basis, according to Acts 17.11. We read there, But the Bereans studied the Scriptures daily to see if what they were hearing was true. And the result was that many became Christians. We're convinced with a modern and well-known evangelical preacher that the problems in the church and the division amongst the denominations can be traced to an uncertainty about the most basic gospel teaching of Jesus Christ himself. I'm convinced, said a modern commentator, and a very well-known one, that our lack of clarity on the most basic matter of all, the gospel, is the greatest detriment to the work of the church in our day. And this same commentator said the following. He said he'd become acutely aware that most modern gospel preaching falls far short of presenting the biblical gospel in a balanced and biblical way. The more I've examined Jesus' public ministry and his dealings with inquirers, the more nervous I have become about the methods and content of contemporary evangelism. On a disturbing number of fronts, the message being proclaimed today in America is not the gospel as Jesus preached it. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us a free book by using the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. Join us again as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.